Hello, dear friends. Today in our studio, we have a guest who I have a great respect for, Danilov Igor Mikhailovich. Hello. I would like to bring up the topic of the upcoming cataclysms. It is obvious that they are already taking place and that they increase with a shocking frequency. The world is on the verge of global cataclysms. But what does society live by? What do people in the world live by when cataclysms are happening? Well, people, people live by what they have lived by before. The only people who are affected by this are the people who get in the epicenter of these cataclysms. They have problems, they are in trouble, they need help. But unfortunately, today the world is not ready, and this is true, it's not ready to help people who are suffering. Let's say, and we have already seen this, and not just one time even, when help comes too late, or sometimes it doesn't come at all, that is due, first of all, to the intolerance of people to each other. Unfortunately, today we have a consumer society, being cultivated by various means, because at the forefront is the economy, and in any state. It is clear that there are private interests of specific people, groups of people and states in general. And states, unfortunately, are not the communities of people living there, but a state is a certain group of people that rule that country. That's right, this is actually like this. And they have totally different interests. Yes, people are concerned, they think, I mean the elite here, they think globally in order for the economy to develop, even for people to live better and for salaries to be higher, it is necessary for consumption to grow. And thus, this society of consumerism has actually grown. And consumption, what does it first of all involve? Egoism, pride, envy and everything else. That is, if you have some fashionable clothes and I liked it, now I also have to buy it. Having looked at your earrings, I want that also. I am exaggerating, of course. This is the principle of consumption. That is, some kind of implicit advertisement. Uh, well, and explicit advertisement and everything else. But in this race for economic wealth, unfortunately, the most important thing has been missed. Humanity. People have started to be intolerant of each other. And we see this now, in this period we see this. And a bit earlier, when the trouble started, yes? And only a couple million people had to migrate to Europe. And this is just a couple of million. And this... This is not actually a secret anymore, this can be talked about, that in the coming years at least a couple billion people will undergo migration. And what then? Indeed, what you are talking about is really happening. In 2014, the scientists from Alatra Science published the report in which they clearly described the global cataclysm. And less than two years have passed, and events are unfolding with such an incredible speed, on such a scale, events are developing in accordance with this report. I am familiar with this report. Fortunately, it was published as a very short version. Thank God, because people don't need to be frightened. This is first of all. People should live peacefully, but at the same time they need to be warned. Indeed, the situation is getting worse, climatologically and in many other ways, but that is not what is essential. The worst part is that the situation in relationship between people is getting more aggravated as we have already discussed it a bit earlier, is in intolerance to each other, and so on. Banal selfishness. 
This is what prevails in people, and this affects everything. This affects society, this affects the families, this affects literally all of humankind. This is, of course, the problem. It should not be like this. It should be another way. People should at least respect each other. If not love, then at least respect. And understand that he is the same blood as you. Regardless of nationality or something else, he is also a human. And in fact, if people were able to realize this nowadays, they would have been more humane. And there would not have been such problems as what happened in Europe. But here, not only Europeans are guilty of this problem. The blame is mutual for both immigrants and the receiving party. This is due to them both being ill-mannered, quite literally. They come to another culture with their habits, with their culture. They kind of broke free and think that they can do whatever they want. They come and think everyone owes them. This is also not right. If a person is used to living by certain morals, then even a small interference is enough to feel discomfort. And what does discomfort cause? Indignation, right? Naturally, hatred comes very easily here. More than once we saw, observed, what was happening there with those poor people who were forced to... They have already endured a lot, but they have also suffered additionally because of not all, and I emphasize this, but only a few of them who have behaved badly. They were violent, committed crimes and many other things. So just these few people caused resentment among the local population. And there were violent clashes, in fact, with quite grave circumstances. This is unacceptable. This happens because the point of educating people is missed, literally. In our world, it has been made fashionable to be rich, or at least to pretend to be rich. It means you are worth something. But it is not fashionable to be a person, just a simple, kind, good person. And such oversight is very serious. That is, if only the vector would change a bit. But this depends, again, on people themselves. One should not count on elites, on states, or... And what are the states? States are people. Just like we say, elite. But what is the elite? It is also people. And in the majority, they are very disappointed people. Why? When they were striving for power, for becoming richer, they had plans, and it seemed to them that when I become, everything will change. But when they got there, nothing has changed. They have remained with their problems, just have more headache. That is why they want to get even richer, even more powerful, and are fighting for this all the time. They do not have peace. They are indeed unhappy people. Why? Because any person feels inside what is the truth and what is not the truth. It does not matter what a person's consciousness is telling him or her about it, postponing it, that in the nearest future something will change and everything will be fine. Inside, a person feels and understands that all these are fairy tales. But again, he gives into the tricks of his consciousness, because it is better to believe in this nice illusion, right? People do just that, believe in the illusion. They act against their conscience, against honor and everything humane, everything humane in them, in order to be like everyone else, in order to be above everyone else and to control everyone. Well, this is also a problem. That is why one should not count on these people. They are as unhappy as everyone else. I think the solution to this problem for people, a way out, if you will, is that people should get organized themselves. They should unite. There should be a unification of all people. And people themselves should also demand from mass media no advertising, no evil, 
Because nowadays, evil is being propagandized everywhere. We are told whatever we tune into the media about violence or something else, that is, buy and be afraid. Such is the tendency. But maybe we should change the rhetoric a bit. Because, first of all, who is the consumer of this product? It is people, right? If you and me, we do not want to consume this product and others join us, then the market will dictate this. They will be forced to give us the product we need. Right? Right. Otherwise, no one will consume it. So, who is responsible? We are. That is, people are just not able or are afraid to unite. What is that? Do they not see or do they not know how to do it? Many just don't believe in it. Just don't believe. Many do not believe. Many are afraid. These are again imposed patterns. And again, we are talking about the imposed patterns. And this is indeed so. These patterns are artificially imposed on people in order to get them to consume more, to think less about themselves as persons, and to think more about themselves as consumers, right? To struggle for survival, to try to climb on others' head in order to be higher than others. So to say, such a standard of living. We understand that a human is dual, and we are now coming a bit to this topic. In a human there is, so to say, a material part and a spiritual part. The material part is mortal. It gets ill, it suffers, it envies. This is the manifestation of the superior egoism or pride, let's say. That is the most frightful sin that can be, which makes an animal out of a human. And here is the question, what dominates in a person? If spirituality prevails, at least a little bit in a person, then he finally would be able to realize and understand what is good and what is bad, that it is bad to be an animal, because whatever you achieve in life, all of that is empty. And really, whatever you gained, you would not really possess it. Everything is finite, and everything comes to an end, and it ends much faster than one would like. And especially for today's, let's say, in today's climate situation, to put it mildly, it is better for people to be people in order to offer each other a helping hand. Here there is also one more thing. I am saying this exactly to those people who are in the consciousness and are more attracted, after all, to let's say, earthly passions than spiritual things. This is advantageous. It only seems that this does not affect us. Disasters are happening elsewhere. But today they are happening elsewhere, and tomorrow they will happen at your place. Will the neighbor help you? Of course not, if he is going to be like you, right? So, what should we do? First of all, extend a hand of friendship to a neighbor. Just like this, look into each other's eyes, simply sit and look and think. Sometimes even words are not needed to understand that we are all of the same blood, right? And then you will feel sorry for that neighbor if any troubles happens to that neighbor. And when you are ready to help this neighbor, it will mean that he will be able to help you if trouble comes to your home. But until you, yourself, are ready to help your neighbor, do not expect any help from him. He is just like you. He lives in the same conditions, right? Right. And indeed, the pattern of people's behavior at the moments when a disaster, cataclysm is happening, people, in an answer to the question, how do you imagine it will happen, only imagine one variant, chaos and mayhem. It's as if there is no other scenario in their consciousness. Of course not. Let's watch disaster movies. What is the scenario? Everything collapses, everyone dies, only a couple of people survive, right? And again, who survives? The elite and people who are needed by the elite. Everyone else is in chaos. Here, many people feel themselves doomed, and others who are smarter. 
They strive to become, if not the elite, then at least those needed by the elite. You understand? And what does this push people to do, or tune them to? To a spiritual sort, to act more humane, to unite or something? What kind of unity can there be if everything is being destroyed? Well, this is how it's perceived. That is, the model offered is the one where you will survive only if you're going to be closer to the elite. If not the elite, then at least an inseparable part of it, a servant, right? Then you will be able to survive, well, at least you will have a chance. But again, to survive, yes? We clearly understand that the human is mortal. There is no person yet who would, well, consciousness is saying something else. Yeah, that one will live forever. Of course, it's not telling you that you will die today or tomorrow, it's telling you that you will live for a long time. This is the phenomenon of consciousness. It's the most terrible liar that could be. But for a person it's difficult to realize and understand this. Because, how is this? Consciousness, it is me. But to divide yourself and consciousness. But we will talk about this a little bit later. I would like to talk about the topic of spirituality that our society won't be able to survive today, during this period of disasters, without a spiritual and moral basis. What do people generally understand under such a notion as spirituality? The majority? Well, the majority of people understand by spirituality just going to the church, and publicly, so that everyone will necessarily see you and consider you a spiritual person. Well, depending on the religion, to make there some kind of action of prayer. Well, on that spirituality ends. Also, of course, how without it, everyone remembers that they are spiritual, that they are children of God, that God owes them when something happens to them. I am not talking about something large and global. Then all the more. A tummy has fallen sick. My God, for what? Right? Because you had eaten something bad. You should go to a doctor and not bother God's head with one sick tummy. Isn't that right? And you need to be more careful in the choice of food. There is such a point. Will people be able to consolidate together, not even talking about the area of the planet, region or some continent, but can they consolidate just among themselves, in usual relationships, simply in the family? Today the trouble is not only in the society, right? But even here, in the family unit, if we look at how many divorces there are. This is really a catastrophe and not just taking into account our country, but looking at the world. This is the problem everywhere. And why? And again we come to the society of consumerism, the highest degree of the human egoism, his pride, intolerance. Because while people are dating, going to get married, they give way to one another. Hormones are burning in them and so on. But fairy tale ends with a wedding. And then life begins. And here is precisely where problems arise. If a person is not ready, let's say, to yield, to compromise, then surely conflicts begin, definitely. And conflicts are frictions, are an appearance of hatred and intolerance to each other. And here, well, the points of responsibility come up. If there are children, it serves as some kind of deterrent. But oftentimes now, even children do not affect, let's say, the decision of spouses to split up. Well, often they can also tolerate one another in kind of unspoken agreement. Someone earns and someone takes care of the other. Well, like a servant and a master. But if we look at how the world works, and how the matter is arranged, then everything falls into place. Because, in fact, 
any matter is trying to dominate another matter. If we look at how animals live, that is, strong ones dictate to the weak ones, weak one serves the strong one, and it obeys. And all the same instincts work in humans, both in a family unit and everywhere else. And here, without spirituality, problems do appear. Here, I would also like to touch upon a topic. Uh, many blame different religions, sects and so on, that one joined a sect and they split up, as though the religion is to blame because a person started to believe in God and he decided to divorce me or she decided to leave me. But what actually happens if we look? Oftentimes, it also happens that a person goes into religion not to cognize the spiritual world, that is, to somehow become much closer to God, but something attracts him. New company, some interest or something else. He would listen to everything, come home and then begin to teach. That is the teaching of, let's say, a person who does not possess knowledge and does not have personal experience. Naturally, it's like a form of manipulation. That is, these are particular instruments that a person receives in order to, as some say, help his neighbors, because they are mistaken. Because I do know where I'm going. I'm going to God. But people, they don't know. My relatives and friends, after all, I want to help them. And the first rule is broken. And the first rule is, it says exactly, if we take all religion, it's not spelled out, but it exists. It's a freedom of choice. That is, no matter what kind of relative he is for you, close, beloved, dear, he is a person, and he is free, and he has a right to make that decision, which he likes, right? If you like a certain religion, please, be in it, but respect the other person too. We know, in fact, because even common friends we have, there are people who, let's say, live in one family, but practice different religions. And they live well and respect each other. Why? Because people are really spiritually more developed. And this is what spiritual development in any religion gives in principle. Here I will deviate a little from the topic. What does religion give first of all? It gives an opportunity for a person to come to God, right? Everyone has his own ways. Actually, there is one way. Instruments are different. And so, having received these instruments, if a person truly does something and really strives, he would definitely come where he wants to. I mean to God. And so, developing on this way, what qualities does he gain? Respect to another person, first of all. He understands what dominates in his partner, let's say. And even if his partner behaves a little bit inadequate, well, from his position. There are demons in him, he's on the animal side at the moment. Then, understanding it, he just wants to help this person, right? Because this person is suffering. So, will you impose your opinion on him? Of course not, right? That is mutual understanding, mutual respect. These are the basic things that help save a family, if there is such a desire. But if people have no such desire, they will split up anyway. Most often another reason appears. When someone goes into any religion, all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, starts to get involved in it, spends a lot of time there, and devotes little time to his partner, right? Consumerism. Consumer attitude to each other. If he went there, he's engaged in his spiritual growth, 
And here, excuse me, snotty kids are running around. And well, that's it. Already there is a quarrel, already there is a scandal. I've got little time devoted to me. Kids are snotty. And you're engaged in spiritual growth. How spiritual are you? Right? And so it starts. One hard word brings another. Well, as always, hit on the head with a saucepan or something else. And parted company. And then who is guilty? Religion. But who is guilty? Of course, a person himself. Of course, a person himself. It is exactly what a person has to get rid of, first of all, right? To learn to live in respect and in love to each other, in the true spiritual sense of this word, certainly. And this is starting from the smallest elementary unit of family and ending with the society globally. If in the world the fights are happening and this is encouraged, let's take, we often see this now, for example, how football fans fought with these or those, a confrontation. In what civilized society is it acceptable that people beat each other up? Because of a certain fanaticism, because of some kind of disrespect or something else? Is this normal? It has been written about, spoken of, laughed at, and this seems to be perceived as normal. Any aggression of a person against another person must be condemned by the society. Isn't that right? Undoubtedly. Any aggression must be stopped and an aggressor must be what? must be isolated from the society, at least for education, as a minimum. Then the society is civilized. Then one can walk calmly in the streets, right? Right. And what do we need? What does any person in this world want? We have already talked about this topic once in one of the programs. What does a person need in this world, first of all? I do not mean now a spiritual search. I mean material life. You know, everything is narrowed down to one's comfort zone. Then some kind of comfort. Absolutely right. But this comfort, it is first of all for the satisfaction of needs of their own self. But this is already a second point. In the first place is safety. Safety. This is first of all, and only then all the egoism starts, right? And safety, again, what is it? Mutual respect for one another. When a person will not go rob another person, yes? That is, this is not tolerated in a society. This is not encouraged by a society. This is certainly punished. And not in a way that one stole from the other and everyone laughed. A thief stole a stick from a thief, so to speak. Well, people do not trust each other. And mistrust, it begins first of all in oneself. Why does mistrust arise, to begin with, because you yourself do not trust anyone. Isn't this so? It is, right. And why do you not trust other people? Because first of all, you do not trust yourself. You see, any person is well aware that there is something not right in him. If he reflects, if he starts to think, but when facing the moments of self-awareness or self-knowledge, so to speak, and in fact everyone passes through it, regardless of religion. When a person is on the spiritual path, we have again returned to the topic of religion. When a person is on the spiritual path, in the spiritual search, he always faces self-analysis and self-observation. And no matter how it is called, a mind, a consciousness, an intelligence, a personality, right? For us, a term personality is closer, meaning this is what separated, to say, from the mind, but it's right near. Well, everyone says, do not pay attention to your mind, do not pay attention to your thoughts. Why? That is, save your attention. This exists in all religions, this exists in Islam, exists in Christianity, and a lot of great people who are really great, because they had achieved something, they have talked about it. That is, do not pay attention to to bad thoughts. It appears that attention is power, right? 
Right. In this regard, in a letter it's written very well. This is not to advertise a letter, but simply to explain. Why? Again, I want to mention, many call a letter a religion, a sect or something else. A letter, it cannot be a religion. Because what is told in a letter exists in any religion. Whichever religion we take, if we throw away the sand that people pent, then what remains is just the knowledge about a letter, right? Much is not there, much has disappeared, much was told to people by prophets in that time in such a way that people were able to understand. But if we compare it, in principle, these are the same synonyms of what is described in a letter. The problem is that people can understand it only when they have evolved spiritually. After all, much in the Christianity, in the Islam, in the Buddhism, whatever we take, people skip past them. Why? Because they do not understand the essence of certain words, certain things. And here exactly is the problem. People who have comprehended something spiritually, and there were a lot of them, in fact, they have described, they have told about their experience, but they have tried to put into words their perceptions through feelings. They have tried to explain in some way that world to people here. Naturally, so to say, complicating of it occurred, and comprehending it is possible only by cognizing it yourself. Otherwise, when you read it, those will be just words for you. In Christianity, there is an interesting saint, Silvan the Ethanite. You know? Yes, of course. He told about the inverted pyramid, and an apex of the inverted pyramid was precisely Christ. And a follower, a person seeking and walking the spiritual path, had to delve into the very top of the pyramid to get to Jesus, that is, to go deeper in order to cognize this truth. It is really appropriate. If we put away the conventionalities and try it on the one who walks the spiritual path, just put aside the images, and in such a way we would rather take an association, then it is really so. He has put into words his experience. This is interesting, but who can understand this? Only the one who has this experience, right? Even then, there were concepts and comparisons just the same as the ones cited and described in a letter book, right? But in a letter, it is told to a modern person in a modern language and simplified understanding. Of course, let's say in a concise way, but it is given enough for understanding. All that's to say that in that time, even Siluan, he has talked about it too. He also gave these associations. It is difficult to tell it in any other way. But a person who, let's say, as we started to talk, is a consumer, brought up in the modern community, what will he tell you? In which way will he understand it better? Not what he would tell, but how would he understand it? Indeed so, he doesn't know any other dimension besides this one. What is an inverted pyramid? Why should I take care of everyone? And even in relationship to God? What is, in fact, a person's relationship to God today? Even, let's say, those who call themselves believers, when they come to God, inside, they think that, since I am here, since God has sent me here, then He owes me. You see, they have some assets already. So, God has to fix his health, improve his life, and so on. Isn't it so? Yes, it is enough to turn him once a year, a month, or on major holidays. 
of course, and this isn't the best. And even to ask for something material, right? For health, for family, so that everything is good. And these again relate to the material. And those saints who have already reached it, they did say, except for the soul salvation, you must not ask God for anything else. After all, in the reality, regardless of religion, people who have cognized said exactly the same. Why? If we face the truth, it is not a religion that saves, but it is God who saves, right? but only when a person makes an effort. When he is engaged in the self-development, spiritual self-development, when he is engaged in comprehending this process. If we take, for example, a life of Muhammad, Islam, right? Those who lived alongside him were surprised, and many have described it. Nowadays there are sources where one can read about it, the one who wants. He devoted a lot of time to prayer, not to a simple prayer but to a deep prayer. He has reached a deep perception through feelings. Why? Because the person strived to be there. And he showed by his example how it's achieved. But again, returning from the state of perception through feelings, he began to put it all through mind, through consciousness and towards. Who can understand this? Only the one who is able to feel it, to come in contact with it. Absolutely right. Or the one who at least strives for it, right? The one who has an aspiration. He thinks at least a little bit, not with the brains, sorry for this expression, but with the soul, right? This is not right. A person cannot think with the soul. There is a personality and so on, but this is a figure of speech, letting it through the soul. It is more clear this way. Since we have already touched the topic of Siloan, I think it would be appropriate to mention the process of spiritual formation here. If you remember, he told, I know that you read, that's why I say if you remember. When he told about an earthquake, which happened during the service, and the most striking, what impressed him, because at that time Siloan was not yet so spiritually strong. But he was surprised that during the earthquake his brothers, when really, let us say, the shadow of the building, where they were, was happening, even stones were falling down, as he described it, he got frightened, and he started thinking that it would be better to go out, but he saw a prior next to him, who did not change a bit, continued his prayer, and the brothers also stayed. Only six people, as he said, went outside being frightened. He has stayed, realizing that when a person is in God, there is nothing for him to fear. And that has really given him a push, an understanding. He described it for a reason. Why? Because he has realized what it is to be in God and what it is to not be afraid. A person, when being in a state of, let's say, communication with the spiritual world or with God, as you like, he realizes that a body is mortal, it will die anyway. And he treasures this even small, even short period of communication with the spiritual world or with God, yes? And he values it much more than the material life. And this crucial turning point, which has happened with Silan, it made him exactly the one who he has become later on. And in his later descriptions, if we touch on that, 
It is interesting when he writes already that in a prayer there should be no thoughts, let alone words, there should even be no thoughts. That is, one must not cling on to anything, even on to good thoughts. A thought that comes during a prayer, but the prayer was for him, in this case, already a spiritual practice not just a set of words that a person repeats as a mantra in a hope to get something, but it is already a process of communication with the spiritual world, and any thought that passes, even though it is a good thought, it distracts you and attracts your attention to it, and paying one's attention it, it strengthens the positions, absolutely right. Whose position does it strengthen? The ones of the consciousness. And the thoughts start to really attack a person, and he loses the prayer. And to return back in this state of perception through feelings that he has reached would be extremely difficult for people at the first stage, let's say, with the cognition from the spiritual world. Later on, of course, when a person develops, he just doesn't allow distraction on any thoughts, pictures in his head or something else. And he described this experience really interestingly. And about this perception through feelings, again, we return to Muhammad. Muhammad used to say it. All religions say exactly about the perception of the spiritual world through feelings, about the value of this contact and its retention. And many people are asking how to hold this attention. And here comes another question. What does it mean to hold attention? How can a person hold attention on the spiritual world, this perception through feelings? Here, the contradiction is in the words themselves already. And this means that there is a contradiction and incomprehension in a person of the very process. That is, a person walks in circles, tries, feels that there is something, but cannot cognize. Why? Because he tries to cognize with the mind. But cognizing with the mind is impossible. We have been talking about practices, prayers which Muhammad performed, right? That he several times per day and during night time, as his contemporaries describe, a whole third of the night he devoted exactly to prayer, exactly to these deepest states with feelings. Why? Because a person when comprehending exactly these subtleties of communication with the spiritual world, he just doesn't want to go away from there. Why? The real is there, the life is there, the truth is there. And when returning, let's say, to this world, a person, well, faces the realities of his consciousness. He does not face the realities of this world, he faces the realities of illusions, which his consciousness is issuing for him. This is a more correct wording. We can touch upon the issues for a better understanding of the experience of modern neurophysiologists, right? And what will we come to? We will come to an understanding that mind plays cruel tricks with us. I mean that which we call the mind, the consciousness, I mean. And indeed, in life, for some reason, people really rely on the brain. This is consciousness. Let's say it's not our brain. Brain is just a functional organ. It is the consciousness. Consciousness, yes. And the consciousness, it forms, as psychologists say, our personality, right? 
that which we nurture in ourselves and we nurture ourselves with our choice, because what do we choose? We have numerous examples in our life, even in the childhood. But something is emphasized, is memorized, we copy someone and that way we develop ourselves. But what is behind this in reality? What if we look into what consciousness is and what personality is? We have touched on an interesting topic. Even though much has been said about it and much has been written on it, there is a letter, there are also many other sources and many saints who touched on this subject. It is indeed interesting. At the time, I was impressed by the scientist's research, which claims that brain tells us what to do in advance. Moreover, it also tells us that we've made this decision ourselves. So, you understand that it's just a spectacle being set up. As many roles as you wish will be played, just as long as consciousness performs a spectacle for you. And here you have noted. But unfortunately, many people don't understand who you is, who I is, you know? as in one's own self. Who is the spectacle performed for? One is always not just a viewer, but a participant, an inseparable part. Because for all people, consciousness functions identically. Well, in some it is more developed, stuff with different knowledge, in some it's less, but the scenario, the pattern, is the same. And a person doesn't think with words, a person thinks with pictures and actions, deep inside. Only then, on a larger scale, it transforms into some words, images and so on. A person, mostly, doesn't even choose words while speaking. He tries to find certain words. Anyone can reflect on, how do I speak, what am I thinking about? Where does the thought appear from? How does it come? Here is just a work of consciousness, it is experience, practice. It's like a comprehension, a process of education, self-education, a self-development or development, doesn't matter. It is an accumulated wealth of certain knowledge. And this is what I'm guided by. If I don't know some word, I won't use it. That is indeed the case. But from where and how the words perceived by another person, by us, are formed. How, in our consciousness, and the consciousness performs a whole spectacle for us. Often, a certain situation that we experience in childhood, it is played for us constantly, especially the ones affecting us emotionally. And it continues to, let's say, irritate us, surprise us, or something else, to cause emotions. And people often go back to these situations that have passed endlessly, absolutely right, endlessly replaying, warring. But what is happening and why? Now we will shift to a bit of, let's say, let it be some sort of metaphysics, yes? Who how likes? But if we look into this process, let's say not strictly from the view of neurophysiology, because like that it's boring. An impulse went, it worked, a neuron got excited. This is nonsense. The occurring chemical and physical processes are the result of those invisible processes that are, let's say, a superstructure over our consciousness. I would compare our consciousness to a stage which we are observing. But the one who is observing, this is actually the personality. And I'll deviate a bit from the subject, a spiritual practice or a prayer, it should be done by the one who is observing, by the viewer, but without these actors on stage. Then everything goes very quickly, and then a person really cognizes the spiritual world. And now back to the process of, let's say, our theatrics. 
Very often we observe how two or even three people are arguing in our consciousness. Consciousness can create anything, any scenes, and we ascribe ourselves a role. But the question is, is it we who ascribe ourselves any roles? Who ascribes? In reality, the consciousness does. And the most interesting is that even in this argument, it ascribed us a role of a viewer. What we should do and where we should pay our attention to, it is not interested in anything else. The consciousness is interested in where and how we pay our attention, how strongly and how long it keeps our attention. Nothing else interests it. And the more attention we pay to these illusory pictures, displaying in our cranial cavity, the further from God we are. It isn't this that, let's say, a paradox of life is. And it seems to us that we live, since we think and we communicate. Here we are being concentrated on solving some issue, or we are experiencing some emotional situation, or we are getting ready for a meeting with someone. And here we start to make up, to discuss that which is not there. Of course we are planning, but people just don't understand that this is a pre-written scenario, let's say simpler, for them. And the director of it, here is the most interesting part. We touched on the subject of the director. The director, yes. One can also call it the system, it's simpler this way. Yes, this is a whole system, a part of which, like a mycelium, is our consciousness. Or one can call it the devil. That is, the director is actually the devil, and our consciousness a demon. Or due to the fact that there are a lot of them there, demons. However, thanks to it, to our consciousness, we communicate in this three-dimensional world. We explore it and so on. Thank God now we can call things by their proper names. Why? Because physics has progressed a bit, people have become more literate. They perfectly understand that even the three-dimensional world is not, let's say, an exception. Many physicists, they, let's say, have already comprehended and really understand and are aware that there can be a lot of, an infinite number of such three-dimensional worlds like our universe. You see, and our universe is just one of the small manifestations. And there are very interesting works in this field, when inquisitive persons Though again, with the help of the mind and self-analysis, self-knowledge, but they do perceive through feelings. And here I'll deviate a bit from the topic. Why are major discoveries made by those who can feel? But they feel something different. They're not going to God, but they put their perceptions through feelings, force of their attention, into the material world. And naturally, everything turns out differently for them here, right? That is, these are great scientists who see in the middle of the night various tables of chemical elements, who make great discoveries, affecting then the development of the whole humanity. But this is a scenario too. That is, they're straight eight students in the system. Well, yeah, yes, but in spiritual, absolutely right. That means people spend their whole lives just to turn to dust. And that was told everywhere and is now being told. There is nothing, let's say, new here. Thus, it turns out that our consciousness, it has planned everything for us in advance. And some praise consciousness and consider it like a king. Yes, they think that consciousness is a king, but that it turns out that we are slaves of that king. We as personalities, those who 
And who are these we, in the meaning of who is, what is personality? Personality is exactly that, what can become, or rather attain, the eternal life, which is also described. Although this raises sarcasm in many people. I mean, immortality, eternal life, they consider themselves atheists, but not even realizing who inside of them makes them believe that they are atheists. It turns out that these are adherents as well, adherents of the religion of consciousness or the religion of Saturn. Many say that there are a lot of Satanists, indeed, but there are lots. Why? Because those who consider themselves believers, in fact, serve more the consciousness. They also treat their religions not as spiritual instruments, but like consumers. And again, we return to the consumer society. So, it turns out, everything is mixed up, messed up, and then, naturally, people ask a question. How can I keep my attention on the perception of the spiritual world through feelings? Well, yes, indeed, it's a paradox. It excludes itself. Why can't one cognize with a consciousness the spiritual world? Here again, Silwan, we have said that there must not be even a single thought in a prayer one should perceive through feelings. And here the paradox, let's say, ceases to be a paradox as such. Because the one who observes in our theater of life, yes, the inner theater, I mean, that is our personality, it does not think, it perceives, it lives. And thoughts are just something instilled by the consciousness. They are determined beforehand, in advance, and so on. It's interesting that even among people, when two people quarrel or argue about something, the outcome of their quarrel is predetermined. Both adherents of consciousness. Absolutely right. Both of them are adherents of consciousness, indeed. Even if they silently take someone's side, and it's also interesting, I heard such a phrase, someone got offended at someone, or I am offended, and it is also quite emotional. Yet not many people know that when you say the word offended in Russian, the ending sa means oneself, oneself, correct. That is, you've offended yourself. If you took offense at someone, that means you first of all took offense at yourself. And we can return to a family unit again. Why do scandals, divorces happen? Because one person took offense at the other. It turns out that he offended himself. He just thought up all this, but not even that he thought it all up. He paid his attention to the thoughts which were proposed by whom? By consciousness. Yes, that is, his king, his consciousness, his highness, actually told him that he needed to be offended or to put the force of his attention into this situation into the thoughts that someone thinks badly of him, speaks badly, and so on. And that's it, a person turns sulky, he's emotionally angry already. Can he come to a spiritual understanding? Of course not. That's very interesting about offended yourself. This is a very widespread stereotype, of course. And it is disguised by such a noble word as vulnerability. But this is pride, isn't it? It is disguised by pride, yes. That is, I am probably a more moral person, and I can judge someone. And this is one of the forms of manipulation. Again, what is the relationship of two material bodies? Someone takes by strength, someone by weakness. There is no difference. Someone takes by physical strength, and someone by trickery, right? Everyone… But this is again a manipulation. This is again forcing a person to think or to consider in some way. 
For example, I took offense at you, I need to evoke a certain emotion in you, you should feel bad, feeling of guilt, yes, a feeling of guilt should develop, and you should come to me, you must come to me and apologize. And I would still think, you know? But generally speaking, if we take these viewers off the stage, there is nothing for us to divide. In the power, in the power of consciousness, of course. Because again, the dominance of consciousness is happening. Similarly, again, we return to people who are trying, by the force of their attention, to make themselves feel impossible. The easiest way is, as was again said by Siluan, we have recalled him so many times today, yes, that one should do not with the mind, but through feelings, let's say, all these sacred mysteries, although there is absolutely nothing mysterious here. Mystery, it's in people's minds. It is consciousness, telling about some mysteries and something else. Let's just have a look at the history of Falatra. Everything is absolutely openly written, everything is available, and it has nothing to do with any religion or anything else. Certain meditation practices are described. Clearly explained what meditation is. Meditation is the same as autogenic training, ordinary autogenic training. It is the work with the consciousness and with the body or rather a work with the consciousness on the body, and nothing else. Where you pay your attention to, that happens, that you cause. There a hand got warm, a certain chakra started working or something else. In reality, what is this? This is focusing the force of attention, you concentrate, ignoring other thoughts. You ignore all other thoughts, but this one you keep. And that is one hand is warmer and the other is colder. And that happens physically, really. Some capillaries become narrower, others become wider. It is simple. But in this way, a person learns to at least ignore some thoughts. He learns to focus the force of his attention in a right way, and he gets his first experience of who he is. He is the one who can control the thoughts. I'd rather say not to control, this is wrong. It's more accurate to say it's the one who can choose certain thoughts, where he can focus the force of his attention, right? Right. Then a couple of spiritual practices are described there. What is a spiritual practice? A spiritual practice is a kind of silent prayer, yes? That is, both a prayer and a spiritual practice are a process of, I'd say, perception of the spiritual world through feelings. It doesn't contradict any religion. It is absolutely open and available. What do you need to do? Just to practice, to explore yourself. The first rule is, what should you explore? You should explore your consciousness, how it works, how stereotypical it is. You should observe other people, just a process of observation. And it's better to write all this down. What happens during the process of observation? A person sees that all is patterns. He sees how logically it all happens. It happens with him the same way as with the other. In one situation, one thing happens. In another situation, another thing happens happens. Right? Right. Very logically. Systems patterns are absolutely logical. It's very poor in its diversity, in fact. It treats people in the same situations absolutely identically, regardless of people's nationality or place of residence. By studying and observing this process, a person begins to understand that he does not need those thoughts, but they are still coming. He is not the master of these thoughts, and the consciousness does not serve him, but tries to exploit him. Thus, he gradually starts to understand that he is not the consciousness. And here is where the initial experience is acquired, right? Liberation through observation of the consciousness, studying of the system, or 
as they say in Christianity, exposure of the devil. This is the initial experience. Then he starts perceiving other things. That is, if there is a material world, this means there is a world spiritual. It's logical. It's even possible to understand and realize this via such a tool as consciousness. Then a person tries to evolve spiritually. And what is God? God is love. God is not evil. Evil is this world, material world. And the spiritual world is endless and quiet. It's blissful. It's difficult to describe it in words. But even when a person tries to feel it at least a little bit, he experiences the indescribable happiness he is able to achieve. And the more he practices, the more he cognizes, the happier he becomes. He doesn't become unsociable. As many people say, here is a religion person, a boring spiritual life. No, a person gains real freedom, the real one, I emphasize. And what is the real freedom? It doesn't depend on the body. Where is your consciousness and your body? They're not yours anyway. We've already figured out that consciousness, it's not yours, it's alien. Yes, you're responsible for its evolution, and you can develop it by investing the power of your attention into one or another field. However, most often it develops us and exploits us, but it develops us, unfortunately, in its own direction, from a consumer perspective, let's say. It simply exploits us as a personality. What is a body? A body is temporary clothes. It wears out, and it doesn't matter what any of us would do. It's like, once again, let's take consciousness, Say, if all people get together and apply every effort with their consciousness, will they be able to stop an earthquake? No, we have started with cataclysms. Can they stop the future, that what is already happening, and what will happen? They can't. Right. Right. So, consciousness, it's limited, it's material, it's temporary. Everything goes to ruin, everything wears out, and this planet on which we are now, it's only a single instant. I would say just a fleeting thought from the spiritual world's perspective. It's here and it ceases to exist right away. For us it seems, but again, when we measure it through consciousness. But if we look at this from a personality's perspective, this world becomes too fleeting. And time goes fast. And all this fuss disappears, because a person who is spiritually evolving gains freedom. And this world ceases to be boring. Well, I mean this life. It becomes interesting. And in many aspects it becomes cool, using such a slang word. Why? Because it's truly amusing to see how consciousness is bustling, trying to coax at least a little bit of attention out of the personality. It's interesting, isn't it? Interesting, and not boring anymore. Yes, it is. In the previous program you said, it does everything it can in order to keep a candidate for an angel in its hell. Well, naturally, this is its function, and nothing more. You know, when you live by the spiritual world, you understand that indeed everything that is happening is simply a change of stage settings. Of course. I don't I also like to say that when you used to live within the system, there was a clear understanding that everything was complicated, and some complex actions had to be taken, and plenty of books had to be read, of course. And you had to surround yourself with spirituality. Well, human world is very complicated. When a person lives by his mind, he lives in sufferings, he lives in fear, he lives in numerous problems. 
And when a person lives a spiritual life, let's say, in unity with the spiritual world, even being here becomes cheerful, wonderful and amusing. People as if, and not frightful at all, not frightful at all. And the people as if, and here the most interesting part, I'll go back to Silon. Thank God he realized this. We again go back to the situation when he was in the church and when he saw spiritually evolved people who just were not scared. Their body would die, but they wouldn't. And here a paradox arises. Consciousness starts manipulating and saying that every person he gains some sort of life after death and so on. Well, all tales end after death when a person turns into well, now we have touched upon the state of subpersonality. Yet again, no matter how much we tell about this, unless a person gains spiritual experience, he won't understand that this is the truth. Otherwise, this all will remain for him just like a talk between two people. Here they are just sitting and telling some stories and so on. But when a person is spiritually developing at least a little bit, he understands what this is. Thank God now we can already discuss such things, because our scientists have gotten at the roots of quantum states. And here we are speaking of what is beyond the quantum limits. But in principle, it is practically all close. But it is already understandable, at least for many physicists. That is why, thank God, so many physicists come to our center, because they begin to understand the essence of these processes. Why is this becoming clear for people who are indeed deeply engaged in neurophysiology? Because they understand that, how can one say this, we've reached a deadlock, there is no truth in matter. Of course, they have experimentally cognized that which we are talking about, right? At that, the Elettra book, by its simplicity, urged many people to such understanding. And the funniest thing is that many people say, and again, consider it without understanding, without studying it. They consider it as a religion or a competitor to a religion. However, we do know, well, I don't know a single person who has abandoned his or her religion, and so on. I go to church myself. <laughs> Me too. This is what I'm talking about. I can say it actually simplified the understanding of the truth. It hasn't simplified it, but rather it has given an understanding. Yes, it has given an understanding of the true beauty, the beauty of those religion and the truth on which they're based. And again, what does consciousness do to people? Can a person who lives by a material world come to the spiritual? No. That is, the one living an ordinary human life, let's say it this way. Such a person doesn't even pursue God, right? And again, well, today is the day of Siloan, may his name live. Let's say, what was he writing about? He was exactly saying that a person who lives an ordinary human life even starts regarding God as an opponent, right up to hating him. You see? Why? Because consciousness, it always hates the spiritual world. It is always in opposition. And it says, oh, this is all nonsense. They're sectarians, they're all stupid. Or look at those priests, they're swindlers, they simply take money from people. Why so? Because consciousness has no understanding of the spiritual world. It is mortal. And here a phenomenon arises. If consciousness is mortal, this means I'll die. You see? It turns out that actors on stage pursue the viewer to live their life. You see, if they die, this means the viewer will also die. Well, the movie will be no more, but life will remain. This is interesting.
I'd like to switch to the topic of personal experience. You know about personal experience. Well, today we've talked a lot about cataclysms and everything else, about relations between people. Let me just interrupt you. I just remembered one thing. Once a professor asked a ferryman to take him across a swift river. Well, he was riding a boat and talking to the ferryman. The ferryman was a simple fellow and had a very rough language. The professor said, Oh, you are so illiterate. Do you know that you have lost half of your life? For you haven't learned the language subtleties. The ferryman looked at him and said, Can you swim? The professor said, No, I can't. Well, in such a case, you have lost your entire life, for we are drowning. Indeed, we seem to be living in such an advanced civilization, with such technologies, and all of us are so educated and have acquired and developed so many various skills, while in fact we are not capable of the main thing, to love with the true spiritual love. This is really what... Here there is one subtlety. There is true love, and there is love through consciousness. You see, consciousness always imitates. If we go deeper into physics, well, let's tease a little bit those physicists who are not yet with us, with a septon, yes? There is a reflection of the true light in distorting mirrors. Thus, what consciousness creates, it always creates distorted mirror images of the truth. Yeah. Why? Because it creates some love. It creates an illusion of respect. Yet, what is such love based upon? On egoism. On pride. Of course. Who do we love? The one who tells us fairy tales. Who is he or she telling those to? To our consciousness. We like or dislike something in that person, but if it's beneficial for us, and if he or she warbles tales nicely, we love. But do we love? Or, in fact, it is simply pleasant and convenient for us. It flatters our pride. Comfort, right. And what is true love? It has no relation to the material world, right? This is the point. If people could have just a small contact with true love, as many people say with Jesus' love, as it is in Christianity, there would be no hostility. Nobody would spit on each other's back, nobody would deceive each other. And this is really easy. Already during the spiritual path, there was such a pattern, you know, when you treat the spiritual world by the material mind, a pattern not to give love to God, but not to give, but to take. Yes, and so this is normal. Yes, to control, to strengthen, not to dissolve in this love, but... And this is the mistake of many people. People taking the spiritual path, coming to any religion, yes, they come to receive. They come to receive the salvation of their soul. They do not even know what a soul is. They do not have the experience. And they are told, again, the exploitation, you believe, you do like this, you act like this, you believe. Well, in the mind, the mind is always against everything. And how can I believe if I don't know? And so the vanity of vanities begins. Some people start to repeat it as a mantra, if I was said to believe, it means I should believe, otherwise it will be bad. And again, what is cultivated? Fear. Fear, yes, God-fearing, God-fearing. Can a God-fearing person come to God? 
Well, let's say, if I am afraid of an elephant, I will not go to it. Why? Because that is an elephant and I am afraid of it, right? If I am, for example, afraid of you, I will not come to you, because I am afraid of you. Thus, already a barrier is being set up between God and a person. Or another thing, you are a servant of God, you are a servant indeed of the system, a servant of the devil, if you live by the consciousness. Here you are a servant. But which of the prophets has ever said that you are a servant of God as a spiritual creature? No, everyone says equal, brothers, sisters, right? Even in the spiritual approach, there is this point of servitude, that is, if people need some instructions constantly in order to... Certainly. But people do not need instructions. They need someone responsible. Well, everyone wants one thing. This is really true. This is a pattern. Everyone wants someone to take responsibility for him or her. Like, I will live as I want. Again, I want. Like my consciousness dictates me. I will live by my patterns, at my pleasure, and someone will be responsible for me. And this has created an instrument, let's say a bad one, when some exploit the others on the basis of spirituality. Well, a simple example, let's take a Latra. It is rumored that some secret groups are opened, they start studying there some top-secret things, they take on people, some of them then get sick, others become enlightened. Well, all this is fairy tales. What secrecy if it is all open, right? That is the point that, of course, indeed, the truth is very simple and it has been always clearly conveyed to every person. Yes, the point is that it is very simple. I understand if the questions of service or something like that are raised when a person is spiritually, let's say, free, but he wants to help others and he needs some tools. But this is already when a person is already spiritually free, then he can serve and help. But when he is still on the way himself, he can only share his experience of his way, not more than that. And what is the secret here? That I fell here and I fell there, watch out, do not fall yourself? Is that a secret? Well, maybe. But who knows where the person fell? The secret actions of the system. Whom is he disguising? Whom is he defending at that moment? Of course, well, what attracts people? What attracts the consciousness? Well, what does the consciousness urge people on? On secret, on some privacy? You will get the knowledge by which you can control other people under the pretext of helping them. Of course, a simple example. If we now start talking about some tools, yes, they do really exist, I mean, some tools that will be so attractive for people. I do not mean extrasensory abilities here, this is by far more serious. That will attract so much of people's attention, they will want to possess it so much. Consciousness, again, who will urge them on it? Consciousness. But if a person is spiritually free, will he be interested in this? What for? If he does not have a need for service, he will not need those tools at all, because he is with God, he is already there, you see? And here works. And again we return to our not once mentioned today Siluan, that a spiritually free person, spiritually free, he's not interested in the material. Right? Right, right. And he has called the spiritual egoism. Well, actually not that he has called it, but it was said before him, and this is one of the good traits of egoism. Here the egoism is spiritual. 
Then again, everything is fractal. Therefore, spiritual egoism, which not fractal, but mirror, mirrors. Of course, that is, it exists in the system and in the spiritual world. There is an actual spiritual egoism. Spiritual egoism is when a person has really gained, well, a perception of the spiritual world through feelings, and he already lives by it. Material world disappears for him, it becomes, well, it doesn't disappear, the person lives actively, even, what are we talking about? One continues to live among people, to maintain the same lifestyle. Just there is an understanding, an understanding of why one person behaves in this way, and the other in another way. If someone tries to offend him, then the one offending is offended. Because how can one take offense, really? What if a dog barked at me? Why would I get offended at it, even if it bit me? Well, it's just a dog. It should bite. It is a dog, right? So, there is an understanding of what is controlling people. There is a regret, of course. There is a pity that what a person could have gained is lost by him. That is, a person could have gained life, but he is content with temporary existence. Essentially, this spiritual egoism, yes, it kind of really gives an understanding, but on the other hand, it removes some kind of regret or something about anything lost in this world. But in a human understanding, again, meaning for a person who lives by the material, this is terrifying. How can I lose these valuables, the valuables of the material world, I mean? But do you possess them? Really, what do you possess? Okay, let's possess this cup. Well, any day my body will be destroyed, yours a bit later. Well, you're just a bit younger, that's why I put it in this order, from just a human point of view. Nobody knows. Well, let's just imagine it. So, if this cup doesn't break, then it will go to someone else. Will we possess it? This is just a simple example. Possess. Possess. And the system exactly emphasizes possessing, that is, subduing someone. And this is what people live by, and this is what is valued. Like, if we gave birth to children, we must subjugate them, we must order them around, live their lives. Here again, live their lives. But they are free personalities. We can help them, but we cannot command them. And if we are imposing something, then we are influencing, then what do we run into? Into resistance. And why? Because essentially the devil is one, or the system is one. Yes, it has many demons, and they report everything. Or let's take the system. Everyone has their own consciousness, but it is a single, let's say, it is a part of a single whole. So there is nothing special here. By the way, it would be good to expand on this topic a bit. Unity and spiritual meaning and the system as one organism, that is, again, a mirror reflection. This is, well, there used to be one expression, not many remember it, anyways, it's not important. It says, imagine that you have broken a mirror and the smallest, the tiniest piece which reflects the sun. This is our material world. This is crooked sun reflection in this broken mirror is the material world. Then it says, and how many worlds are there? Well, there are as many worlds as there are little pieces into which you can break a mirror. It's interesting. There used to be one saint who also tried to explain people things on such small examples. And there is one more interesting thing, when many people are asking to describe the spiritual world, like what should I be feeling and so on. Well, first of all, who is asking this? Consciousness, which will never perceive this. Because a person who understands that he is just a viewer in this theater of absurdity, 
will never ask such a question. He strives to cognize it himself and puts every effort in this at least little light and slight warmth inside, and he gradually moves into that direction. Okay, let's now get back to the parable. So, there is an interest in parable on how to tell about spiritual world using words. A man, desiring to receive answers about spiritual world, comes to one sage and says, I know that you are a sage, there is much spoken about you, explain me what spiritual world is. The sage says, why would I explain you this? Cognize it yourself. This is a way simple and interesting, and it's also noble. First, I want to know, the man says. The sage replies, fine, then gets up and leaves and says, wait. Some time passes and he comes back with a huge basket of bricks, then says, here are the bricks for you. With them, tell me what air is. Once you succeed, come and I will explain you. So, this is so subtle. A striking difference, yes. But I like this answer, I liked it. The only thing I don't like about this experience is that it's not easy to carry a basket of bricks with you in order to explain what is the spiritual world. And to the one who is just being curious, because the one who wants to cognize, he just goes, nothing disturbs him. By the way, there is a moment which is very important for me. You know, it's like with the mind, I always understood that God is inside. And, well, really understood it just with the mind, until once we don't understand with the mind, we feel. We heard or knew, not heard and not knew, all these are just words, but every person, he feels and understands that he has a connection with the spiritual world. And this happens from the person's birth. Why? Starting from the eighth day, a human already becomes a person, because there is a part of the spiritual world in him, and he feels this connection. Even, let's say, the most avid skeptic, the most devout atheist, he feels it anyway. And it makes many people who are more free from the imposed patterns, it makes them search for the spiritual way. And here, of course, many different paradoxes appear, but about this later. But a person feels it, but not with the mind. It is exactly with the mind that he makes up everything to deny these feelings. He creates various conclusions about why God doesn't exist, or what God is, or that we are created in His image. And here we are proposing that once life has appeared, aliens have come and taught us something, and that we've decided that they were gods, because we were primitive people, right? And now it is that in the image and likeness, or we were created by the aliens, this satisfies the consciousness. You see, the mind has come and created mind. But about the fact that there is something else, something that has created all matter, and that which is life itself, because if we remove what is called the Holy Spirit or God's manifestation, then everything disappears. You see? Thanks to this light inside a septon, its mirrors are reflecting and creating illusions. They reflect actually the inside. They create matter. But if we look at what matter is, what it really is, matter is an illusion. But the more dense this illusion is, the more material it becomes. And matter perceives matter as matter. 
Notice that even simple sleep is the work of mind. In sleep we feel everything realistically. There is no difference for us between what is here and what is there. In rare instances we realize that it is a dream, right? But apart from that, it's all real. Again, from a viewpoint of an observer, often a viewer, we are seeing this theater of actions. For us, solid appears solid, material, material. We smell things, taste things. For us, life passes absolutely realistically. The very same illusion is here. What is the difference? Well, I would say it's in its duration. But it also fundamentally differs, because in this illusion, we have a chance to gain life. If every person would at least try to, let's say, observe himself, just do an experiment, a mental experiment, and just observe his consciousness, how and what it tells him, against his wishes. Many say, me, I have the will, but observe, if you do in fact have a will, human, and everything will return to its rightful place. Just if every person will devote a bit of time, at least 10 minutes per day, just for a sport of it, with a pencil in his hand, can he stop the thought that has come to him? Can he control it? Can he think about this or that? Or change the flow of events? I mean events in his head and eventually give an honest answer to himself. Who are you? Well, and then why he is here? This he will understand only when he becomes a viewer. You see, an independent viewer in this theater of absurdity. But until he is involved in the process which our consciousness creates on the stage of our so-called life, well, here it's doubtful he will ask himself a question, why is he here? Here the consciousness will tell him why he is here, in order to consume, to be and to dominate merely, and to merely sneak through this seemingly long way in a short amount of time, and then, well, subpersonality. We were coming to the subpersonality, but went off track a bit. Modern science exactly gives an understanding that subpersonality is an absolutely real state. Why? Because information doesn't disappear anywhere, and consciousness is nothing else but an informational clot, let's say. But it can only exist if it's fueled by the energy. And the tension is that energy which fuels this energy clot. Well, this is so from the physics standpoint. That's why after death of the physical body, the contact of a personality with the source of this energy, with what we call soul, it practically doesn't end. The only thing is that the process of fusion becomes impossible, but he continues to fuel. This viewer continues to finance the actors, who continue to show him the movie. And the person, without having a body, without having sight and hearing, he retains everything there is. In order to understand what it is, the state of subpersonality, basic practices would be useful. Close the eyes, cover the ears, and forget a bit about the body. But everything else remains. Emotions, desires, greed, egoism, and so on, and self-love, of course. And like this, for many years. That is, everything is absolutely the same as it is happening here. Practically nothing changes for a person, 
That is why when describing this after-death experience, the only question arising is about burning, that's all. This is why there is hell there and things like that. Because again, there are laws, physical laws, the very common ones. I think with God's help in the nearest future, if everything is fine and science will be developing and the world will go on, well, I mean, well, generally, if humanity is lucky, then it will reach such a level in the development of physics and science that this will be understandable and clear as basic things science deals with today. If you don't gain life here and now, you will not gain it later either. I would say it like this. That's why this perception of that world through feelings, it becomes natural when a person passes through this process of fusion. He just lives by that world. It is beautiful, interesting, and he becomes already really just a viewer, but the one who understands it well. Yes, he paid five kopecks and he is watching this movie, but today he is watching it, and tomorrow it will be no more. This movie, that is, this theatrical performance, he is free, he is not attached to it. Now, this is interesting. So, something like this. In general, I don't like to talk on the topic of subpersonalities or something like this, because again, subtonics of people, consciousness of people, it starts to use it as an instrument to enslave them even more. To scare, not to scare, no, but to enslave. What do I mean by that? Is that it starts to tell you that, you see, he's talking about some sort of subpersonalities. This just isn't true. And with such so-called beliefs, stories and thoughts, which a person sort of controls, it pushes people as personalities further and further away from the spiritual world. So, it turns out that when bringing up such topics, we are not facilitating and not helping people to gain a spiritual understanding. We are helping consciousness to push, alienate people even more from the spiritual world. That is, to strengthen consciousness's position in people. But on the other hand, let's say, for those who consider themselves to be atheists, for those this is good. When you said you didn't like to talk about this topic, knowing how consciousness would react immediately and in a necessity to talk about another topic has arisen, about the topic inspiring for people walking the spiritual path about the topic of spiritual experience. Well, now, this is interesting. Let's say about this, we indeed can talk. Let even someone think, well, someone's consciousness, that we are sitting and having fun, at least we are enjoying ourselves. And unlike them, we have more prospects. Meaning, we will be able to chat and talk longer. It would be desirable to stand facing God and not the mirror, yes? Like in the fairy tale, yes? Behind the log cabin of Baba Yaga. And to discuss the topic which indeed interests very many people who have already started their spiritual path and have already some experience of the contact with the spiritual world, to discuss living by the spiritual world. Well, one should not discuss it, but should live by it. Another thing to discuss the ways of cognition. Well, there are many ways of cognition, let's say, of the spiritual world, but the essence is one. 
That is, in principle, there are no bad religions. In any religion, there is that truth which can lead a person to God, if a person so wishes. That is why I kind of don't see any secrets, I don't see any complications. It is all open and accessible for people. Another thing is that there is no wish for that. Why? Because consciousness, as we have already talked about it, it never seeks God. Let's even take the issues of love, yes? Consciousness is unable to love, it doesn't have this function does not know what love is, it does not know what love is, it knows what comfort is, it knows what is acceptable or unacceptable for it, as for the human's consciousness. But again, this is a consumerist point of view, right? That is, we have already discussed this more than once, even in relationships, let's say in families, in relationships with one another. It would be good if people really, let's say, have at least a bit worked on themselves, would understand at least a little bit what true love is, what is that eternal that is hidden in each of them. Really, what could be more beautiful? It is this that makes this existence, gives it a meaning, like what are people here for? In order to at least gain that love, true love, but again, not in the meaning of love of one person to another, as of one material subject to another material subject through the consciousness. Consciousness will create an illusion that will very quickly disappear and fall apart, as we have already said, the fairy tale ends with marriage, then reality starts, then opportunistic or some sort of other motivations arise. But love is the convenience of existence. But what's really interesting, sometimes you observe how one person has loved the other and is empathizing. What is he empathizing with? Is he caring about that person? Here, he is dead, whole life they lived together, but he died. About the comfort, about the convenience, about the object to manipulate or something else, or as about an income source, but in no case as about a spiritual being, whom he was separated from. Because if people are spiritually developed, again, we are returning to this, right? Then such a problem as the death of physical body will never separate them. And again, spiritual development, it gives not only such love, but also an understanding that everything is one, because division exists only in the material world. Here we are divided, like molecularly divided and so on, spatially, but in the spiritual world it all is a little bit different. It's hard agree to tell people about it and to express what it is. It is the same as describing air with stones. It's better to go through it, better to gain this experience yourself, then it's more interesting, more noble. Well, in any case, at least there is more meaning in this mortal existence. People are chasing some sort of illusion in this world, but at the end it disappears, and everything comes to nothing. And in the face of death, especially if a person had to live a long life, he starts to comfort himself that here, he has a built a house, and like Father Gepetta has made kids, maybe has even planted a tree at least, and that's it? 
But what is the meaning of his existence? What has he gained? What is he living with? Apparently with nothing. Just with the pride of what he was doing for people, for the country, for whatever else. But who will remember it? And who even needs it? Well, it is consciousness comforting that, no, you have not lived your life in vain, you have achieved something. But if one talks to any old person, well, talks heart to heart, they are always in sorrow. Except for those who have cognized God. Here we, by the way, have come to the topic of the feeling of joy, because each of us has experienced this feeling of endless joy. Joy can be different. There is a joy from the consciousness, from obtaining something, but it is fleeting. That is why the joy from, let's say, unity through feelings with the spiritual world, it doesn't dry out, it doesn't stop, it doesn't bore, and it cannot bore. The question is in what? In the fact that it is always, every moment is new. This is an infinity of new feelings, of perceptions through feelings, let's say. This is a seething life. It is filled with life, while life filled with life can't say it any other way. And in the material world, it is a short-lasting illusion. Even, for example, hormones got active or something else, like there is some surge in this material life, but it is necessarily substituted with some problem. It is replaced with sadness, disappointment, again with grudges, aspirations, well, with some sort of burdens, distractions from true life. Isn't it so? A person who is in God's love always feels joy. And once I succeeded to feel this, to feel this joy, there was an understanding that as if I did not let myself feel this earlier. That is, there were some absolutely ephemeral boundaries, distractions. Consciousness always sets boundaries, it always doesn't let you there. Why? Because it differs strikingly. A person who has really felt at least once what God, that is the spiritual world, is, this is impossible to forget, impossible to compare with anything. Why? Because it is real. And it is here and now. And this now, it isn't stretched in time. Meaning, it just is because it is, because it is true. And this is, it is so various, I would say not various, but diverse, that even eternity is not enough to live through all this diversity. But this diversity, it is always filled with happiness. And this is an interesting moment right here, that really, being in the spiritual world is never monotonous, that when you come in contact with the spiritual world, you understand that in spiritual, not even a single moment is repeated, that every contact is totally new. And to be honest, there are moments when consciousness flies in and says, and what, is this really so simple? Really, no need to create warmth anywhere or strengthen anything, or it's just necessary just to, just to be, just to be in these states, these are not states, this is life. You need to just be and just live. And notice, even the slightest, the quietest 
appeal of a personality to that world, it immediately connects with it. And it instantly gives a full range of indescribable feelings of that world. But what's the most interesting is that no matter how much and how loud a person yelled in this world, from the mind, let's say from his consciousness, that he wants to cognize the world of God and that he seeks him, well, except for some molecular shaking of the air, he wouldn't cause anything else. Right? But that is even the quietest appeal, of course. And here people often make mistakes. For many, they are indeed catastrophical, because using consciousness, they try to cognize the spiritual world. You see, as if they are making some scientific experiment, trying to calculate it, they require some sort of proof. We have already talked about it, not once, that the proof you can see in the mirror. The point is not in this. The point is that consciousness, it always drives a personality into a dead end. It attempts to corral him and cause a storm of emotions. In order to attract the attention of a personality to its sketch in the stage scenes on the theatrical stage. And what is it doing it for? In order to, in reality, distract a person from cognizing that truth, because a huge difference happens, an enormous gap forms between that world and this world, over which, well, one doesn't want to go back. This is unreal. Of course, it happens that a person, as you said, while being, let's say, even having the spiritual experience, he anyway uses consciousness as an instrument, and having gotten involved in the trivial three-dimensional issues of, let's say, this life, naturally he can catch himself thinking that he has started to give the power of his attention not to the spiritual world, but to the material. That is, he got involved in this game, became not just simply a viewer of the theatrical performance, but its participant. Well, this happens, this is normal. I wanted to give you one example, exactly showing that no matter how you yell here, you won't come closer with the help of consciousness. Some guys I know, well, I got to know them a bit later, well, they felt, like many people do feel, that all this, this world, it's not right, that there is a spiritual world, and so on. Obviously, they went to many places, tried to find it, and read lots of literature, traveled half of the world, searching for a guru, a mentor, but they have not felt any satisfaction, any change. Interestingly, they even went for climbing a really high mountain, risking everything, just in order to be closer to God. So I say, and so? I say, you have come closer to God, climbed to the top. Many say that God is there, yes? Well, well, while climbing, they say, we have been swearing the whole way, they say. We came there, there were no air, but we have climbed there to meditate, to sit there. Well, it's closer, so to say, to space, because God is there, like various Eastern traditions say. Then I say, so what, have you meditated? And they say, how can we put this? They say, it was terribly cold and no air to breathe. What kind of meditation are we talking about? Consciousness turned stiff, they say. And we understood, well, that going down was even harder. So, here is an interesting life story about how people were trying. Why am I telling this? Because many people are searching. But again, who is forcing them? Consciousness manipulates them. 
it tells them there, there the place is holy, right there you will go and do this and this, and they go from the consciousness. They go on a pilgrimage, they go to holy places, they do various seemingly extremely hard for a human, for the physical pilgrimage, but they return the same as they left. Through the consciousness, through the physical actions of one's own body, it is impossible to cognize the spiritual world. Even if someone managed to get inspired, how long is that for? Of course, and I have already talked about it in another program, about the words of Muhammad, that Allah, He is much closer than the carotid artery. He is in you. You just need to open up. Nothing is required. Nowhere you need to run. Just to be. You need to just be. You just need to be. Simply to cognize. This is not difficult. This is so simple that the consciousness, it, because it cannot cognize this. That's why it complains. And who decries God in a person? Consciousness. And what for? For a personality to be its slave, for a personality to be an internal viewer who is paying faithfully for its show. And with what does he pay? With the possibility of life, of gaining life. Because that force which is in a person, in a personality, he should direct mainly, let's say 90 to 10, to gain his life, true life. And what is he wasting it on? On the show? On the illusion. Isn't it so? It is. We as emotional beings, we live, we care about different trifles. A hamster has died, a tragedy. I'm not saying that a hamster dying is not a tragedy. It is a tragedy, of course, but this is natural. But when a child cries rivers because he's sorry about the hamster that died, parents, instead of explaining what matter is, what life is, instead of facing this question, right? That a hamster is a soulless creature. It is not a person. Instead of that, they are telling him that it is fine, it is in heavens, it will wait for you. This is what I'm talking about. And these are all patterns, all through the consciousness. Why does a spiritual person need consciousness at all? Just to reach, to realize and to be? What do you mean? Wait a minute. I don't agree with you. A person needs consciousness to communicate in this three-dimensionality. Because when a person is on the level of the deepest feelings, he does not see this world. This world disappears for him. And this is really so. You may not believe me or my words, be my guest. But this experience, through which all saints have passed, this is the experience which has been brought here by the Prophets. If a person considers himself a believer, then not believing his Prophet is somehow stupid, no? It is just not right. But each of them has precisely said that when gaining exactly this state of perception through feelings, you are losing this world. Why? Because when being there, this world becomes an absolute illusion and one wants nothing in it. In general, one doesn't want to exist in it at all. Well, nobody wants to go from good into bad. But exactly in this is the phenomenon of our consciousness. By having studied it, we can communicate in this world. That is, we live, work and control our body with the help of our consciousness. And how long we are given is how long we must stay here. This is the law. It is one for everyone. 
And now, how would we communicate? And I'm not saying with you, I'm saying with people, right? They would not have understood us. Here, a self-righteous girl is sitting and smiling. Nothing else they would have understood, you see? They would say, here is a fanatic, a cultist, deluded. They do not feel what is inside of you. And in this is the problem, because consciousness, it is deaf to the spiritual world, and blind. It only sees the picture, the illusion, and that's it. But those people who have truly spiritual people, well, they don't need our picture. You see, we would sit, be silent, and they would have understood much more than from us here talking. These communications are not needed, it turns out. Of course, because, well, saying it in a human language, the spiritual world can be expressed in a unified field. Everything is unified there. Because there are no problems to feel each other, right? Right. That is, I'm not saying emotion. Emotion is here, and there are feelings. And all these feelings, they are all interconnected. Hence, such a diversity of the spiritual world. And in this world, everything is separated. Here, every person, we all are a mystery for each other. From this, psychology originates and other different sciences. We are trying to understand each other, studying all sorts of different techniques to influence so-called NLP and something like that, all in order to give our words more power. Right? And in the spiritual world, this is not needed. It is. It is endless. And there, there everything is simple. And here everything is exactly the opposite. Absolutely everything is complicated, and everything is extremely divided. Divide and conquer. Though on the other side, as we have already talked about it, it is divided only for a viewer. And actors among themselves, they're all united. In this is the paradox. I would like to ask, people describe a state when you sit in peace, but then fall asleep. I understand. The question is, as I understand, about when a person starts doing a spiritual practice, he simply falls asleep. Yes, in such cases, a person is not doing a spiritual practice, you see? He, with the mind, is trying to do something. And naturally, what is the first that is happening? It is relaxation of the body, separation from the body, yes, that is, we are going through meditations, approaching spiritual practice. Well, this is how it should be. When we are doing it with the mind, the moment we have relaxed the body, got rid of the thoughts, we rightfully fall asleep, right? Right. Right. But what is a spiritual practice? A spiritual practice is not necessarily sitting in the lotus or some other complicated position somewhere on the top of the mountain and repeating some mantra and waiting until mana from heaven falls. Spiritual practice, it is being done in any place, always and everywhere. It should be done everywhere and always. It is a perception of the spiritual world through feelings. It is putting the power of attention of a personality into that good, that endless, that is inside of you. That is, into the spiritual world, into the very source of life. And any person can feel it, any person can find it. 
Everything is simple. The moment you had a contact with it, the more attention you are paying to it, the closer you come to it. That is, you redirect this power, the power of life, exactly in order to gain this life. And naturally a return response happens, and then happens what then happens. I would also like to say that in this state, really, sleeping is not an option. It is, well, impossible to fall asleep. It is the body that is sleeping and the consciousness sleeping, but, well, let's say, angels don't sleep. They don't need to. The consciousness sleeps. And it must sleep, right? Because what happens, why the sleep happens? What happens is a separation. I have explained it in one of the programs. This is normal, this is natural, this is necessary. But in the spiritual world, there is no notion of sleep. Because there is no body, no problems. This function simply isn't needed. So when a person falls asleep, it just means he was with the consciousness, yes? Of course, he tries to do a spiritual practice with the help of his consciousness. This is a paradox. It is impossible to come closer to the spiritual world with the help of consciousness. This is unreal. This is the same as if we, pardon me for such a saying, take a demon and squeeze him into heaven. Just how? You see, this is impossible. And the saint into hell, possible. But that would be just an excursion, nothing more. And even those wets are nothing but something similar to a steam room. Igor Mikhailovich, tell us, what does the first step to God begin with? The first step to God? I would say with honesty. With honesty with oneself. It's when a person asks himself, who am I? Honestly and starts to see what he is for. Is he just a combination of different molecules and so on? Such a complicated machinery, what is it needed for? When he starts to ask again, why am I here, what for, and who I, from this first question, who am I, starts the path to God. Or, on the contrary, into the opposite direction, depending on which answer he chooses for himself and who will be controlling him at that time. Responsibility. The topic of responsibility would be good to open. Realizing, understanding who I am, responsibility can be different. If we are taking responsibility for ourselves, for our life, then this is not a reason for a way to God, you see? Responsibility, it is again a more material thing, it is closer to consciousness. How is it? Responsibility of a personality for what? For consciousness? Or responsibility that is in the consciousness for the spiritual world? A spiritual being, as we have said, yes, that is when a person gains the understanding of the reality of the world of God, he has a contact, he lives by that world, he loses valuables here, but he retains responsibility for relatives and close people. Why have we come again to the topic of the family? Well, why would a person provoke to get divorced or something else? He would not offend anyone in his family. On the contrary, he would adjust to them and help, and he would bring into the family nothing but good and positive. But if he is bringing quarrels, conflicts, well, this is then from the mind. He has decided for himself that he is spiritual, but does not live by the spiritual world. And here the conflicts start, you see? 
responsibility in this way, I understand. But responsibility for oneself? Responsibility, the question arises of who? Of a viewer or of the actors on stage? The true responsibility is gained only when a person gains an understanding, at least an understanding, that the spiritual world, it is real. You see, when he gains the first experience, then in him the responsibility appears, the true spiritual responsibility, responsibility for at least his own I, let's say it this way. But there is another variant, there is another responsibility. When a person has not simply understood, but he gains an excessive feeling of responsibility for other people, and he can help them, then this is already a service. Well, this is a very valuable trait, of course, but this is a second stage. And not many actually have this enhanced responsibility, so to say, if you saved yourself, help others. But with us, more another responsibility from the mind happens. Have not saved yourself, but teaching others. Telling others, here, you stood up from their own leg, you did not do the push-up upright, well, something like that. That is, people like to teach, not being, let's say, themselves, not having their own experience. But to advise others on how to get the experience, well, what can you do? The system is the system. The love spiritual, it is, it is the love given. Surely you feel this unbelievable love from the spiritual world and the need, desire to give all of me, express this love. It cannot be any other way. Because you're saying, give all of you, because a person, all of him, he belongs to the spiritual world. But here comes an understanding that not just simply to give, yes, but also to even force your body here to solve the spiritual world and to force your consciousness exactly to serve you and to do what is needed by the spiritual world. Notice, not by people, not by some organizations or whatever else, but by the spiritual world. That is, the process of defending the spiritual world in this material world happens and sort of increasing of the chances for other people to cognize that world. But this is already the process of service. Well, not all are gifted with this, unfortunately. Even those who walk the spiritual path and cognize, most often a trivial spiritual egoism works, and a person simply, because he already feels good, but this is also very important, this cannot be criticized. Why? Because the value of this world disappears. But a person, having gained spiritual experience, well, for him, this world sort of becomes secondary. But some, on the contrary, they gain also the highest understanding of responsibility, spiritual responsibility. Not only for the closest ones, but also for other people, because they understand that spiritually we are all one, this is one world. And people are deceived, because they understand that spiritually we are all one, this is one world. And people are deceived by their consciousness, demons whisper said, right? So they are trying to help them, to cognize, understand that world. Well, something like that. This is service. I'd like to address the concealed and innermost subject, the superior service, Mary's service. What the true feat is in, the superior service, well, the true feat of Mary exactly was in what we have mentioned, in her service to people. 
That is, she has not only perceived herself, but also gives others an opportunity to perceive, caring about people. And notice how people revere her in different countries, and not just revere, but truly feel her active assistance in spiritual issues. The protecting whale of the Mother of God. The protecting whale of the Mother of God. Of course, this is the power coming from her and helping people to open up. Well, this is the highest level of service to the spiritual world. She has, as every person, also come to this, certainly, however, however, not everyone can as she can. Though, let's say, nothing prevents any person from cognizing what she has cognized and from opening up exactly in such a way. Well, this is why she is Mary. At that, we can get away from questions and conduct a small experiment. Sure, now we have talked about experience, about the first steps and so on, right? Let's just sit silently. And those who want, those who don't want, they will close the program and will not watch, will not do anything. And those who really want to see what consciousness is, what perception through feelings is, those who can feel, those will feel and understand and won't ask any questions. Those who haven't developed this ability yet, those at least will watch their consciousness, already as a viewer will watch. Really, what their consciousness is telling them, yes, not as an actor anymore. And why it is telling us so, let it scold, the consciousness of very many people will scold us now, and this is normal. But for many, this will give an understanding that their viewers, they don't want to ill-wish, but the consciousness will badmouth us. Well, and thank God, because these are their problems, right? Problems with the consciousness. But this will give help to many people, to those who want to cognize. Let us simply sit silently. Let's.
An interesting experiment, for real funny one. We'll say they have nothing to talk about, so they've decided to be silent and tape such a film. Joking. Of course, the consciousness did not talk about us in such a peaceful way. And what is interesting, that people are like open books, when you can read, everything is patterned. And you know what's the most interesting? Really happy for those who have felt it, and absolutely not sorry for the consciousness of those people who, well, were even very strict to us. Well, I think they will then express themselves still, some of them. But the main thing is that it's for the good. Thank you very much, Igor Mikhailovich. Not at all. Don't thank me, I'm just a human. Right? Wish you all the best.